My name is Gary House, one of the pastors here and have the privilege to be a part of this church body. And one other thing I just want to mention to you, and that is the fact of uh, if you haven't started on 260 with us, which is our reading program through the New Testament, please do. Say, well, it's not the first of the year, so it's kind of late, you know. No, you just pick it up from where today is, okay? Tomorrow we start in the book of Jude. And all. How many chapters does it have? What? Oh, Ooh, you guys are good. All right. So it will be a hard read. Then we move into 1 Corinthians. And so good things, and what we do is we just begin to follow through the scriptures that way and learn and discover what is God speaking to us. And so on Sunday mornings, what we've been doing is taking our message out of the five chapters that we've read in the week before, the Sunday. And that's where we'll be going in a few minutes here as well, out of 1 John, and looking at those things. But I want to encourage you. And plus, would you take, you know, we've got a zillion of these things out there. So if you've got some friends, it's okay to pass them out to somebody else. Oh, somebody doesn't go, doesn't go to church here? Yeah. How about that? You know, maybe a coworker, maybe somebody else that uh, you might pass it out to. I know one, one guy that um, he's Zooming with a friend of his he went to college with some almost 15 years ago, and all he Zooms with him every week and goes over the 260 reading and all. Hey, it's limitless in what you can do with this. So give you some opportunities and things to do. Get in the Word, because the Word will change your life. And you'll understand what it has to say, and God will bring application into you so that you can stand up and say, I know what I'm talking about. I got it. Because God's given me revelation and understanding in those things. One other thing just to mention to you, last Sunday, Pastor gave us kind of a beginning shot about three G's. And I'm going to put up a thing up here, gather, grow, and go. And that is a whole direction we're going to move into as a church body and moving, and it is going to be exciting. I, I've had some of the privilege to be a part of some of the development in this, and uh, it's, it's really going to be fun because it's going to help us understand, God, you designed me and put a passion in my heart in a particular direction, and I want to follow that passion by cooperating and coordinating with other people with that like-minded passion, and we're going to move together in seeing the goodness of God accomplished. So you're going to be hearing more and more and more about this as we roll it out in the, the fall here, and so get ready because it's going to become a part of who you are, and it's going to be exciting to be a part of what the Lord does in regard to it. So this morning, we're going to go over to 1 John chapter 4. It's where we're going to end up at in a few minutes. We'll be there just a little bit. But before we do, I would like to ask you a question, but don't raise your hand. Okay, so what's he going to ask, you know? said, so, do you ever hear voices? I know, it's kind of a little bit of, of kind of a twilight zone thing when you talk about that, doesn't it? Uh, you know, and it's, I can't, no, I don't hear your voices. No, no, no. They'll take me away, you know, if they start talking about that too much. But the reality is that we all do. We hear voices regularly. Now, I'm not talking about the kind that, that do weird stuff and strange things and, and do very bizarre stuff. 
Well, we have voices that we're hearing regularly inside of our head, and we begin to choose whether we believe in some of those things or do not believe in them. Some are good and some are not good. And we hear things that go on. And I want to talk to you about that possibility and aspect and how that dovetails in with the scriptures here that we have. But let me go on with that. <clears throat> and that is to ask you a second question. That is, what do you do with those voices? When you hear something spoken kind of in your ear and it's just there, what do you do with it? Do you ever take the opportunity of stopping and pausing and asking yourself, where is this voice coming from? Where is the origin of it? What is the backstory on it? Why am I hearing this and what should I do with it? Let me submit to you some of the things you could do with it. First of all, you could trash it. <laughs> you know, if it's that kind of a voice and thought that's coming into your head, maybe you just need to throw it out and just say, no, no way, no how, it's not happening here. But sometimes what we do with the thoughts that come into our heads is we begin to think about it a little bit more. And then we may even devise a way in which something could be accomplished with that thought or how it could be carried out. And finally, we may even come to the point that we actually believe in that thought and we begin to do something. Now, that's really great when we believe in the word of God and the truth of God and what God has to say in his word, that we should do that. And we're going to see that in a moment. But there's also a lot of other thoughts that come into our heads. You know, there's some, somewhere around 25,000 different thoughts that run through your head. You'll have at least a 1,000 of them while I'm talking. Okay? Not because I'm talking, but, well, maybe. Okay. But, uh, and you're go you and I are going to make judgment calls on whether those thoughts are good or bad. And they're going to be going very rapidly throughout our day. Now, you continue to multiply that out throughout your week, and you've got a lot of things that you've got to deal with, and you have dealt with in one way or another way. You've either appreciated them, accepted them, and adopted them into your life, or you've rejected them and said, no, that's not for me, and I'm not going there. But here we find some things in the scriptures here, as you've read with me this last week, out of 1 John chapter 4, and we're going to look at verse 1 through 6. And I'll be up on the screen for you as well. <clears throat> it says, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. For there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. Such a person has the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard is coming into the world and indeed is already here. Let me pause there a moment. Isn't it interesting? The church has talked a lot about in more past days than more current maybe, of the Antichrist coming and he's coming, but John's talking here in 90 AD and saying the Antichrist is here. In other words, the spirit behind that philosophy and that way of thinking is already here in his day. So there was a struggle already happening within their environment and their setting. Going on, verse 4, 
But you belong to God, my dear children. You have already won a victory over those people. Let me read that again, would you? You have already won a victory over those people that speak words that are not godly. Good, I got two amens. Wonderful. Let me move on. Maybe I'll get more. Because the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. And what, who is the spirit that's living in you and me? The Holy Spirit, yeah. That's who's in us. And the Holy Spirit is, is crying out and saying, I'm ready to help you, Gary, with understanding whether something's true or it's false. I'll help you. And he's constantly speaking. The difference is, generally, the other voices we may hear seem to be so loud that when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, says, Gary, that's not truth. Don't listen to that. They seem to drown out what he's saying. And you have to pay attention to tune in to the Holy Spirit. That's why often, as I'll mention a little bit, that often I, I turn back and say, Holy Spirit, I don't know if this is right or wrong, what I should do with this or not do with this. You are the spirit of truth. Would you give revelation of that truth to me now? And I purposely, as it were, tune in to what he's speaking, what he's saying for my life, because I want to walk in truth, the truth of God. Going on in verse 5, those people belong to this world, so they speak from the world's viewpoint, and the world listens to them. That's important for you to understand when you listen to the news, and you get all upset over what all is happening in the world, okay? How else do you expect them to act? How else do you expect them to be if they're without Christ and they do not have the Holy Spirit within them to guide and direct them toward truth? Where else are they going to go? They're going to go to what they're listening to and what seems to be crying the loudest around them. So be careful of your hypercriticalness if you are about, oh, you know, everything's going to hell and it's just going to go, oh, what are we going to do? Well, it's always been that way. It's that way here. That's what was going on. It's not changed and all, but we need to remember who we have living in us who is greater than he that is in the world and maintain that truth within us. Verse six, but we belong to God and those who know God listen to us. If they do not belong to God, they do not listen to us. Okay, very logical. That is how we know if someone has a spirit of truth or the spirit of deception. Father, we open our hearts up to your word. Would you speak to us out of your word? Lord, I, I feel very inept to properly take your word and speak it into each heart that's here because I don't know where each person is at and what they need. So Holy Spirit, I want to invite you to speak your truth into each heart, each mind, each soul, and each life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know if you've ever seen, I, I had several titles that I thought of. One of them was this little cartoon here, Liar, Liar, Pants on Fire. Anybody ever heard of that, heard of that line before? Okay. I asked one of our young people, have you ever heard of that? And he said, oh yeah, I've heard of that. And I thought, okay, good. Yeah, it wasn't that old. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it had to do with the fact that if you're going to lie and all, then at some point in time, something's going to catch you and you're going to get caught in your lie. And that's the whole point of it. 
of the thought behind it. And that's very true. And if you've ever spoken a lie, which I know none of you do, <clears throat> excuse me, I've got something caught in my throat. But, you know, that if that would ever happen to you, you know, you, you have that immediate sense of guilt and shame and embarrassment, think, oh, no. And then the next thing that comes behind that is, how can I cover it up? Don't want anybody to find out. I don't want anybody to know. Just... Then you have to watch yourself what you say from there on, don't you? And so forth. Okay, yeah. So some of you do understand what I'm talking about. Okay, so what do I want to talk to you about today? I, I want to offer this thought to you as kind of a title. It's the power of truth, working at work in our lives. Holy Spirit coming to say, I've got truth for you to, to walk in, listen to, and we begin to tune in to say, Holy Spirit, I want to listen to you. What are you saying to me? And I'm going to look at three different areas in just a moment and uh, share that together. But <clears throat> let me ask, how many of you have ever heard a lie? <laughs> okay. Some of you think you're listening to some now. Anyway. Uh, so how did you know it was a lie at the time? You don't have to answer, but think with me. How did you know? And something balanced, counterbalanced what you were hearing to say, that isn't truth. That isn't right. So there was awareness, a truth, a knowledge that you had that enabled you to evaluate that as being a lie, right? And so the best source that we have is this. And that's the word of God, to really allow it. And that's why we push so hard about the 260 reading. And this isn't just the advertisement and announcement again. But I, I'm wanting you to get that because we're not just trying to push a program. We're trying to push the word of God into you and me so that we can be able to stand against the things that were spoken to us and we can say, no, that's wrong. And we know it. We have a certainty of that within us about it. Well, I, I'm, I'm one, I like to investigate certain things. And so I was looking up and saying, so what is the... Uh, dictionaries say a lie really is. Well, <clears throat> those of you that are very experts in, in grammar and so forth, you'll appreciate that. But the intransitive verb means to make an untrue statement with intent to deceive. With intent to deceive. Examples might be, she was lying when she said she didn't break the vase. Or he lied about his past experience. It's the idea behind that thought of that verb and how it's used. Also, it's to create a false or misleading impression. It's what the devil says. The Bible tells us that the devil comes as a, uh, an angelic being, but he's not. He tries to camouflage himself and make it look like, hey, man, this is really cool. This is good stuff and all. Why? Because he had some practice before in heaven at one point, but he couldn't keep it hidden and it came out as to his true self. And he decided, I want to be greater than God, so I'm going to make up my own kingdom. And so he says to the angels, how many of you with me? And a third of the angels said, okay, we're going. And they leave. Please remember this, if you will. That leaves two-thirds of the angels in heaven. So when the scripture comes here and says, greater is he, that's in you, okay? That also includes the heavenly realm as well. 
So don't get too shook over, oh, the devil's doing this, the devil's doing that. Hey, greater is he that's in you and greater in the angelic realm is all around you than was in this world. So I don't have to fear those things around me. The greater one is there. That's the truth, folks. But let's look at the, the, intran, or the transitive verb. It means to bring about by telling lies. In other words, there's an intent with the idea that I'm going to deceive you by what I'm speaking, I'm saying. And we have a lot of that today in our culture at large. May it not be so amongst the body of Christ, whether it's to each other or it's to other people. So we take the word of God as our basis and we walk in that way. But what does the Bible have to say about the, the word lie or liar or lying and all? There's some 100 references to it when it comes to the thought and idea in mind of something that is spoken with the intent to deceive somebody. Okay, with that idea in mind, there's a, the word lie is also used to lie down. It's also used in other ways, you know, along the way. But we're just especially the scripture deals with the people that come along with an intent to tell an untruth to lead to some point of deception. There's over 100 times that that's mentioned in the scripture. And it's interesting to me, so you won't get all 100 this morning, by the way, just set you at ease and all, though I could, but I won't. <laughs> but I want to give you a couple of them just to give you a sense of this in the scripture. In John chapter 8 and verse 44, here's what it says. For you are the children of your father, the devil. Now, let's give a context there. Jesus is speaking, and he's speaking to a group of people, but specifically to the religious leaders at the time. So let me put it in a modern terms. He's talking to the pastors. Ouch. <clears throat> but that's what he's talking to here, Okay. And here's what he says to them because of the way they're responding and they're talking. For you, the children of your father, the devil, and you love to do the evil things he does. Double ouch. He was a murderer from the beginning. He has always hated the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent. Catch this with me. When he lies, when the devil lies, it is consistent with his character. Okay, the best he's ever going to do is lie. <laughs> Think about that a little bit. Next time you're listening to what the devil's saying about something and all, the best he's going to do is lie to you. About you, about others, about circumstances and so forth. Going on it says, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So that's what he's going to be all about. In 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, for the scriptures say, if your, uh, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Now, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? Not always easy to live, is it? Oh, no, don't raise your hands. That's fine. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, it says, if someone says, I love God, we read that this week as well, but hates a fellow believer, that person is a what? A liar. Ouch. Wow. For if we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? Think, of, think that through a little bit in your mind. You know, 
I turn and I say, oh, I love you, Lord. Lift my voice to you and praise you and your wonderful God and so forth. But I don't see him. But I come along and I see my brother and my sister in the Lord that loves Jesus and all, but I say that I hate that person. See, it, it's just not congruent with one another. There's not the consistency in what you're, you're all about in that way. And finally, in Hebrews chapter 6, it says, So it is impossible for God to lie. Let me read that again to you. So it is impossible for God to lie. For we know that his promise and his oath will never change. That's a good verse for you to memorize. I'm serious with that. That's a good verse for you to memorize. If that's true, then there's a lot of things that come into our heads that should be thrown out. Right? Okay, I'll go on. I'll I'll get amens yet from you. And now we have run into his heart to hide ourselves in his faithfulness. This is where we find his strength and comfort, for he empowers us to seize what has already been established ahead of time, an unshakable hope. What an important thought to do. When I'm ravaged with thoughts, when I'm ravaged with uh, difficulties, pain, problems, circumstances, and all that seem to want to take control of my life, that's the time you run to Jesus. You hide him and say, God, you're faithful. And I'm going to hide right here. I want to stay right here because that's who you are. Not out of fear just of what else, but I'm running to him because he's got the answer. And he's going to help me. And he's my hope. Therefore, I run to the Lord rather than staying away or trying to work it out myself. The good old American way, as we often have done. So let me look at three areas of your life where you, like me, may struggle in aspects of lies. Number one is lies that we hear about other people or hear from other people. It reminds me of a story that happened to me. So you can be relieved I'm not going to talk about you. But it happened to me. Somebody in my life, I was going to Bible college at the time, came home one one day and and some people were there talking with my dad. And uh, the person looked up as I walked into the room where their conversation was going on. And I could tell as I approached the room, it was somewhat of a tense conversation. I don't know what all it was about now and I don't remember and so forth. But as I walked into the room and I'm just standing there, what happens is the person looks up at me and they said, and so why do you think that you can ever pray for anybody for healing when you wear glasses? Yeah, I, that was totally not in sync with the conversation, I'm sure. But boy, it just came out of left field. And I walked away kind of feeling like, huh, what, what, huh? What are you talking about? I mean, what, what do you mean by that? And I wrestled with it. Fast forward a few years. Every time that I stood up and I went to pray with people for healing, guess what? The thought came back, who do you think you are? You wear glasses. How can you pray for somebody to be healed? And that went on and on. And I remember one Sunday morning, finally, 
that the Lord finally just spoke to me. And they said, he said, <clears throat> invite the people to come forward and have prayer for them. And I want to minister to them in their needs. And as they do at the second point, I was ready to think, this is all going in my head, okay? And, and you know how those conversations go. They go poop, 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 like that. And that's how it's going on in my head at the moment. And as I'm ready almost in my head to say, but God just said, and this morning I'm going to prove to you that I am greater than the thoughts that invade your mind to lie to you about my ability to do what I want to do. Okay. And so then after that morning was done, God and I had to have a conversation. And the conversation went something like this. God, I've been wrong. I want to repent for what I've allowed that lie to lodge into my spirit, my heart, my mind. And rob me of the opportunity of seeing your ability manifested through what you wanted to do through me. See, sometimes we, we allow things to come along and we allow other people to shape and mold us into things. In psychology, there's a whole section or aspect where this comes into being, where you look at the fact of how, and I'll put it in very simple terms, how I let somebody else get inside my head. And their voice and their thoughts and their words ring over in my head over and over and over often, and it shapes what I will do or not do concerning it and how I begin to walk forward. And that's exactly the plan of the enemy. See, it's the example that you see with Peter, who lovingly turns to Jesus, meaning, meaning that I'm not trying to be sarcastic, but he lovingly turns to Jesus when Jesus says, I'm going to the cross and I'm going to suffer and I need to die. And Peter says, no way, no how. You can't say that, Jesus. And he takes and pulls Jesus aside and says, hey, we need to talk, you know, about this, this thing you just said. No way. It's not going to happen. I'll lay down my life. I mean, I'm here for you, Jesus. And you remember what Jesus says back to him in Matthew 16? He turns back and says, get thee behind me, Satan, for you speak the words of men and not of God. What was Jesus saying? I am not going to allow those thoughts and those words that you just spoke to shape what I will do according to the will of God. Because the will of God is I'm going to go to the cross. And your words are not going to shape what I will, not, or will or will not do. And there's times when you and I need to do that. Well-meaning people. Peter wasn't trying to be malicious. He wasn't trying to be difficult. He wasn't trying to be bad. But he was looking at it from one dimension. And it wasn't a godly direction and dimension. He was looking at it and said, no, Jesus, we're, we're here for you. We're going to do this. We're going to make this all work. Hey, nobody's going to do that to you. I'm here. I'm your savior. I, well, not quite. <laughs> but that's kind of what Peter had in mind. Jesus said, no, 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 no. You don't have it. You haven't got it straight here. And he began to straighten him out. And it likely wouldn't be until later that Peter finally could reflect on it and realize, oh, that's what I was doing. I wasn't speaking the words of God. I was speaking the words out of my own head. People at times may be well-meaning with you and me about things that they may say. But you may need to take those words and present them back to the Lord. Lord, what do you say? What do you say with this about who I am or who I'm not? 
what I can do, what I can't do. We present them before the Lord. Otherwise, they can begin to rule and guide and direct what we'll do. Well, for me, I had to make a decision what I would do from that point on, what I was going to listen to. Maybe you've had those occasions that you've listened to those things. I'm interested in a verse that came to mind as I was studying um, in verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. And I liked how it said it this way. This is out of the Passion rendering. It says, love is a safe place of shelter, for it never stops believing the best for others. Love never takes failure as defeat, for it never gives up. Wow. What if, I did, what if we did that with each other? You need prayer? Let's pray. They come up next week. I need prayer for the same thing. We pray. And someplace along the line, you're almost going to be tempted as the prayer for that person to think, hey, come on, trust God, you know, move on with it. But see, we don't know what happened between this week and this week that the enemy came along and just played havoc within their heads and their hearts and they're struggling with all of that and they're coming back at least to you and I and saying, would you pray with me to say, I want to stand against the powers of hell that are coming against me not to believe that God is capable of doing what needs to be done in my life. And we take the opportunity, we stand with them. We stand with them and with one another to see God's victory come to pass within their lives. <clears throat> the second thing that I want, our second area I want to talk about <laughs> is ourselves. There's a little video that I, I saw a long time ago now, and I'm sorry it's dated. For those of you that really like to, are very techy and you want things very modern and, and cool and all that kind of stuff, this won't be cool. But you'll get a point out of it, I think. And uh, the setting is a guy uh, named Bob Newhart. And it's from his show. And uh, it's a little clip, much larger, longer clip than what it is. We're only going to look at two minutes of it. But I think you'll get the point out of, of how he tries to address a counselee as they come in for counseling. Listen to it. Let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I, um, I charge $5 for the, for the first five minutes, and, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can, I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full, uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in, in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow, okay. And, uh, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and go. <clears throat> I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive, and I begin to panic. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. 
Shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most we find most people can uh, can remember them. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yes. Okay. Here, here they are. Stop it! <laughs> Stop it? Yes. S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you, you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So, I should just stop it. There you go. All right. Well, what other uh, problems would you would you like to address? <clears throat> Whew, uh, I'm bulimic. I stick my fingers down my throat. Stop it! <laughs> what 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 else? <clears throat> well, I have self-destructive relationships with men. Stop it! <laughs> I don't like this. I don't like this therapy at all. You're just telling me to stop it. And and you and you don't you don't like that? No, I don't. All right, then let me uh, let me uh, give you ten words that I I think will uh, clear everything up for you. Uh, you want you want to get a pad and a pencil for this one? All right. Are you ready? Mm -hmm. All right. Here are the ten words. Stop it, or I'll bury you alive in a box. I do want to say that if you come and we have a counseling appointment, I won't talk to you that way, okay, just to reassure you. But I hope you caught something in there that was trying to be conveyed, and that is that you have a choice in how you're going to continue thinking and how you're going to look at things, what you're going to do with it. You have a choice. And sometimes part of the lie of the enemy to us is, I don't have a choice. That's who I am. I mean, I just, I, I got to let these thoughts go and blah, blah, blah. And we go on with it. You have a choice how long they stay there and what you do with them. Me, you know, maybe you can relate with some of these that <clears throat> you may wonder about, you know, I've, I, the fears that I sometimes have that I walk in or negativity or thoughts of, you know, just giving up, throwing, I was going to say throwing up, but that would be in a whole other aspect of thing to talk about. But uh, you may be very broken and you hear your thoughts in your mind, you know, you're just a broken person. You just got a lot of stuff not going for you. You just, stuff just really happened in your life and, and it just, you're never going to be the same. You're never going to be good. And even to the point sometimes where you come along and say, is God really God? How do I know that? I don't see him. I don't look at him. How do I know that? How do you know you're saved? Or extreme is when you're driving along, why don't you just drive off the road and just end everything? You say, well, that's, all those are kind of weird and bizarre. Well, Sorry, but those are all thoughts I've had. Now, I don't say that proudly. 
I say it because I want you to understand how the enemy desires to use whatever he can to begin to deceive you and bring you to a point of despair and giving up. That's what he's after. He wants to render your Christianity and what you believe about God ineffective and of no use and no value to you. Because he knows that if you believe in it, he's a goner and he's in trouble and all hell with him. Because he knows there's power in the truth of the word of God. Why does he fight so much against you and me? If there isn't power in it, there isn't some potential in it, why does he fight so strongly to keep us from believing what the word of God has to say? Unless there's some truth to it. And he knows it. And so he keeps fighting against us. In 1 John 4, 4, again, we, what we read last Tuesday, it said, little children, you can be certain that you belong to God and have conquered them. For the one who is living in you is far greater than the one who is in the world. Let me just bring that out to you. Read that one part. It says, little children, you can be certain that you belong to God. One of the, again, and forgive me if I'm repeating too much to you, but I want you to get this. The enemy of our soul wants to convince us that our Christianity is ineffective, no good, and will do no good for you or anybody else. And so he's constantly fighting that concept. How do you know you're saved? Why do you believe that? Why do you read the Bible? 260? Yeah. You know, that's Hebrew. But, you know, he's constantly trying to undermine what the word of God has to say in the truth because he knows it works. He knows it does. Jesus proved it in his time here on earth. The word of God works. And that's why he constantly is fighting toward us. And I want to give you something very simple, just like Bob Newhart did in that little skit and all. And I want you to give you something very simple you can do with the lies that the enemy tries to speak to you. Okay, ready for it? You can write it down too if you like and all just to help you as well. <clears throat> but it's very simple. It's two letters. No. In Jesus' name. You don't have to argue with the devil. You don't have to reason with the devil. You don't have to try to mull over, well, what about this and that? No, I don't believe that because of this. Over. Just tell him no. Jesus paid for all this stuff on the cross, folks. We don't have to pay attention to it and listen to it constantly and waste our time uh, considering it and mulling over about it. We just speak toward him and say no in the name of Jesus. Something I practice personally. Oftentimes, let me give you one thought for that, though, is say it loud enough so you hear it. It's not, no, no, no. Yeah, I, I, I understand some of you are already thinking, well, what if I'm in a restaurant and I have one of those kind of thoughts and so forth? They're not going to care. Nor are they going to care when you're in your car driving along and you, you're talking there. You're likely on your phone or something as far as they're concerned. They don't care. Take the opportunity of resisting the devil. The scripture says he will flee. If we don't resist him, he doesn't flee. He sticks around. Shooting his big mouth off. Oh, excuse me. I didn't say that, did I? See, no to the lies that would invade into our hearts and our minds. And third, I just want to quickly talk a little bit about 
some of the lies that we have about God. Because we hear lies, well, can you really believe him? Can you really believe the word of God? Can it, it, will it really work? Will it stand the test? You know, how do you know? Have you ever seen that? All those kind of things that we may face and deal with. But let me give you a couple of thoughts out of our reading uh, on Wednesday that we had. 1 John chapter 5, in verse 3, it said this, True love for God means obeying his commands, and his commands don't weigh us down as heavy burdens. One of the things, sometimes the devil will come along and say, yeah, you got all those rules and regulations and guidelines and all those things the church tells you you can and cannot do. No, it doesn't. I don't know what you've been smoking, but, you know, it's, it's not good stuff, folks, because that's not what the Word says. His, word, his guidelines he offers us is spoken with a framework of his love for us. In the same way that when we moved to a particular town and, and we were moving into the house that I took my son, it was three years old, took him out to, toward the street that was in front of his two-lane road that was a bypass around the, the, the city, and so there was a lot of traffic on it. And so I, I brought him out there, and I said, you can go this far, don't go any further. And of course, what does a good, obedient child do when you turn your back? Yeah. You know, and then comes the booming voice, Stephen! <laughs> we sometimes try to do that. But why did I want, why did I tell him that? Because I don't want him squished on the payment. Because I love him so much. And I don't want him hurt. Could it be that's the same reason why God says what he says in his word about things we view as do's and don'ts? Because he's saying, Gary, if you do those things, it's going to hurt you. And I don't want to see you hurt. Just could it be that? Could it be God that is deep in his love for us so much that he doesn't want to see us hurt? And then when we make the choice and decision to say, ah, that's fine, I'm going to do what I want to do. Is this okay? But he's grieved. Why is he grieved? Because he says, because my kid's going to get hurt. And I don't want my kid hurt. Out of his love. In verse 18, the same chapter, 1 John chapter 5, it says, we are convinced that everyone fathered by God does not make sinning a way of life because the Son of God protects the child of God and the evil one cannot touch him. Wow. If you and I get a handle on that and realize that God's come along and says, I got you, Gary. I, I got you. And all you got to do is keep, keep your hand in my, in my hand and I'll, I'm going to take care of you and the devil will not be able to touch you. Amen. Say, well, now, wait a minute, Gary. What about the problems I face, I, difficulties I may face? Yeah, we may face some of those things, but it, hold on to his hand. He's going to take you through. That's what he's going to do. Whatever the problem is, whatever the difficulty is, there's likely there's things that many of you are going through right now things you don't know what to do with or how to handle, like I am. But there's things in life right now that I'm walking through. Lord, how do I walk through this? Lord, what do I do with it? 
but I want to hold on to his hand because he knows the way to go and he knows how to take me from here to there better than I know. And so I want to hold on to his hand and say, take me, Jesus, take me there where you want me to be because that's what he desires to do and make that happen in our lives. God is not against us. He is for us. And then maybe it could go without saying, but eh, I'm not going to do that. Uh, Romans chapter 8, one of the primary things about us in thinking into our lives about we get challenged about, does God really love me? And I want to ask for a raise of hands on that one. But here's what it says in the scriptures. Verse 35 of Romans 8. It says, who could ever, who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? And then it gives an answer. Absolutely no one. I like that. For nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about uh, persecutions, uh, deprivations, dangers, death threats? No, for they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Yet even, even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. Not just conquerors, more than conquerors. <clears throat> and his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Hallelujah. Now all we have to do is live it, like we believe in that. So maybe those thoughts that come to our mind, well, maybe God isn't with me, maybe he isn't for me, maybe, maybe I, I messed up too bad, maybe I did something wrong, and, and so he's kind of, we're, we're distanced now, like we might have with one another at times when there's an argument or something like that. No, that's not what the scripture says. Nothing separates us. From his love. Nothing. So why do we believe something else? Why do we allow our minds to dwell upon that at all? We go back to the word of God. And let me encourage you that when you don't know what else to do, look it up. Look it up in the back of your Bible in your concordance. Look up, okay, where's love at? Find it and begin to read the word of God to yourself. And stand in what the word says. Yeah, we may not always remember everything and keep it all fresh in our minds. But you can get the thought down, and again, you can ask the Holy Spirit to help you. So let me close with just three things, very simple here. We'll be done in just a couple of minutes or so, or maybe two and a half. But how do you overcome the lies? Number, let me give you three things. Number one is ask for truth. Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask him. 
So I, you know, I kind of feel, Gary, I kind of feel awkward a little bit, just kind of saying, Holy Spirit, what do you think about this? And so, okay, get over it. Stop it. Because sometimes we get this impression as though, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of weird. It's kind of eh, that kind of thing. No, folks. We're talking about a loving God that cares about us. And he says, here's a resource for you. Use it. Use it in your life. Ask the Holy Spirit for truth. Number two is guard what you repeat. Guard what you repeat about other people, about yourself, and about God. Be careful what you repeat. You know, we, <clears throat> we could go into a whole digression here and talk all about gossip. <laughs> and you all think, oh, yeah, right, okay, never mind. But, you know, we need to guard what we repeat, even about ourselves and what we speak out. Very easy to begin to remove ourselves from sensing the presence of God because of how we talk about us. We remove that reality of his peace and his presence and his joy and his blessedness. And thirdly, if you found that you, you have begun to do something in all, that you just begin to do a simple word. Here's the one word, okay? Again, you can write it down if you need to. It's called repent. If you find you've done it wrong and you started believing in the lie and you begin to think about that and so forth, repent. First John 1 9, very simple. Okay, we read it as well last week. Talking about the fact that if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Okay, so on God's part, he's saying, if you repent, Gary, then here's what I'll do. I'll forgive you and I will continue to forgive you as you keep coming back to me, no matter how long it takes. But my ultimate goal is to rid you of the need to keep repenting over that particular area in your life. So I want to cleanse it out of your heart, your mind, your soul, your think, thought process, your reasoning, so that you don't continue to stumble over it in the way you live out your Christian life. That's what God's after. Okay? Not a bad deal. You know? And he wants to set us free from those things. And all we need to do is come back and repent about it. Ask for the truth, guard what you repeat, and repent. And see what God will do within your own life. So let's pray. And as we do, I'd like to invite our prayer team to come on up as well, if you will, please. Lord, we bow before you today. Lord, I know this is... Uh, not one of those messages you really like to shout and holler and all that kind of stuff. But Lord, we declare it because your word says that we need to differentiate between the spirit of this world and the spirit of God. Because that's written there in something we, we read this week. Lord, we want to invite you to teach us how to do that within our lives. God, show us when the lies come, when the words come that we didn't even expect to be there and they're there. That God, we would challenge the thoughts that we have about other people. We would challenge the thoughts that we have about ourselves, And we would challenge the thoughts that we have toward you that might lead us away from you. God, we wanna be people of the truth 
We want to see the power of the truth of God living out in us and through us. And Holy Spirit, we just invite you to be what Jesus said you are, not will be, but are. You are the spirit of truth. And you've come to reveal truth to us. And Holy Spirit, we need you to help us with that. In a world and culture and society that is prevalent with lies and filled with deceptive thought and idea, some of it intentional, some may not be, but it all accomplishes the same thing, and that is causing us to question what is the truth. Jesus, you were posed with that question one day by a man that was a governor, a man that was supposed to execute judgment on behalf of other people and make decisions of right and wrong about people. And yet Pilate turned to you, Jesus, and he said, what's truth? What's truth? Father, may our hearts be tuned to what is true before you and then walk in it and live in it each and every day. Lord, when we find we've messed up, we believe the wrong thing than what we should, Lord, we want to quickly come to you and ask your forgiveness. So, Lord, we don't start a pattern of walking or living and acting that way. We ask this in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen and amen. You may be here or you may be online with us today, and maybe you, you thought, yeah, Gary, I, I get what you're hearing, you're saying and all. I'm not real clear on how do I get there, how do I live that out. Very simple. Just what I mentioned earlier. You come to God and say, God, I know I need a relationship with you. I want to walk with you. God, I want to learn about this. I want to find out how do I how do I know if something's right or wrong in my life? The way you start that way is just coming to Jesus and saying, Jesus, I want you to be my Savior and my Lord. I want to acknowledge that, Lord, I've, I've run my life my way for a long time, and now I want to run it and find out what it's like to run with your way. And let him be your way and your truth and your life for your life and all that God wants to do. If that might be your heart today, let me just encourage you, just come down to any one of these people. They're, they're really nice. They really are. That's why they're smiling at you right now and all. But they're very nice people. But seriously... They care about people. And just come up to him and say, you know, I'm not sure where I'm at with God. You know, I, I get the idea about him and all that kind of stuff, but I want to ensure where I stand with God today. You may also just be here today and you might say, you know, what that guy up there was talking about, you know, I find I struggle with that sometimes in my life. Would you pray with me that I be strong in my trust or faith in God? Or may, you may be here as well. And you say, you know, today's just been, or this week's been a pits in my life. Stuff has hit me like right and left. Or maybe it's something physical that you're dealing with. People would love to pray with you. That's why they're here. They're not standing up here for anything else. They're up here because they want to agree with you for God to do what he can do in your life. And that's why they're here to do so. And believe for what God wants to do in, into you and for you into your life. Would you stand with me? <clears throat> Let me just remind you guys, you sign up for the barbecue. 
You have to fill out your, your card. If you're ready for taking the next step in water baptism, let me encourage you to see Pastor Ken as well. And now let me just speak this over you of a blessing as well. 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, last verse in 1 John. It says, little children, believers, dear ones, guard yourselves from idols like false teachings, moral compromises, and everything that would take God's place in your heart. And when you do that, Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God, that peace which reassures your heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, and that peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. In Jesus' name. God bless you. Thanks for being a part of this time. Look forward to seeing you next week.